Are you looking for resources to equip pastors and church members? We invite you to visit our online bookstore at www.ninemarks.org forward slash books to purchase any of our Nine Marks books. Hi, I'm Ryan Townsend, Executive Director of Nine Marks. Our vision is simple, churches that reflect the character of God. In light of that, Nine Marks exists to equip church leaders with a biblical vision and practical resources for displaying God's glory to the nations through healthy churches. To that end, we pray that this Nine Marks audio message will benefit both you and your local church. Listen, learn, and join the conversation. Hello, I'm Ryan Townsend, Executive Director of Nine Marks. Today is March 17th, 2011. We're in Washington, D.C. It's actually a Nine Marks weekender. So we have the privilege of having two dear friends and brothers with us, Max Stiles and Dave Furman, who've traveled halfway around the world to be with us here for the weekender. And we're here in this interview to talk about church planting, a subject that's relevant, that's exciting, that's important, and that's often unclear. Now, Mark Dever is the usual voice of these interviews, but he is tied up being fruitful elsewhere amidst the weekender. It's a busy weekend, so Matt Schmuck and I have the privilege of interviewing uh, our two brothers here today, Mac and Dave. So, Mac, you've been with us uh, for a while. You're a dear friend of Nine Marks and of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Why don't you begin by just briefly giving us your background, your experience, uh, how you came to know the Lord, and where you find yourself today, and how you got there. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to be here. Uh, I have been a friend long time with Capitol Hill Baptist Church, and it's uh, fun for me to be a part of this interview, so thank you. Um, I'm originally from Owensboro, Kentucky, not far from Madison, Kentucky, uh, a smaller town to the south of us. It's where Madison folks came to visit on vacation, I think. Um, I'm a graduate of Owensboro High School. I, uh, I grew up in a, a warm and wonderful family in, in Owensboro, but we went to a church that didn't really preach the gospel faithfully. And um, so I was, I was basically pagan in my, in my outlook of, of life, and, and uh, my great love of life was in snow skiing. So uh, it was actually on a, a trip to Switzerland where I was 16 years old at a skiing and mountain climbing school in Zermatt, Switzerland, that a young man there, 16-year-old young man, shared the gospel with me. I'd never heard it before. And uh, I, my heart was strangely warmed as I heard the message of salvation. So um, he, I, uh, you know, this is going back a long time, 1972, uh, but he shared the gospel with me, he explained to me uh, in simple terms what it meant to repent and believe in the work of Christ on the cross. And uh, I was saved uh, over a bar in a hotel room in Zermatt, Switzerland. Amen. I, uh, I, I think my connection with, with uh, Capitol Hill and, and Nine Marks started... Uh, years and years ago, as an InterVarsity young InterVarsity staff worker, I uh, went on staff with InterVarsity in, in 1980, um, and um, uh, met Mark uh, pretty pretty soon afterwards. So Mark and I have been friends a long time. Um, and as an InterVarsity staff worker, came here after my first book was published, Speaking of Jesus. I was here as a part of the uh, the, the very beginnings. I knew Matt Schmucker from the early days. Uh, of Capitol Hill, and so been partners in many ways in ministry and, and just in friendships over the years here. So you've spent your last decades doing 
what? So uh, in 19, uh, well, at the end of 1999, you know, kind of in there, uh, was asked to help start uh, student ministry in Dubai. In Before that, you were 20 years? 20 years, uh, 25 years with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So I went on staff. In student ministry. And doing student ministry, yeah, for, for years, which was a delight. Um, but I, again, you know, the Lord um, moved us to the Middle East. Uh, really to a situation where there was no, no structure. <laughs> there was not much going on there in terms of student ministry, but there was, there was openness. And, and especially in Dubai, there's, there's more openness than you might find in the rest of the Arabian Peninsula. And so we, we landed there. We started a business. Um, and, uh, but our heart was really with students. So we became corporate sponsors for student ministries there. Um, so it's been a really uh, amazing 10 years. We left right after 9-11. In fact, I've I banged my for sale sign in the front yard of my house in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, the day after 9/11. So convinced, you know, so convinced that, that that God was moving us to be a part of something big in the Middle East. And the Lord took you to a church there. What church was that? Well, we we started out at United Christian Church of Dubai or UCCD, um, and it was it was a kind of a typical uh, interdenominational international church. Uh, lots of Lots of flux, lots of people just kind of standing in the gap. Um, um, pretty quickly, we realized that you know we can't we can't go and do student ministry and be, have have students graduating from the university and not be plugged into a, a good local church. So we 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 pretty quickly figured out we can't we can't do this without the church. You know, I think there's a sense in America that you you, you can do ministry and and eventually people are going to find a good local church somehow they're going to find a healthy church but we didn't have that luxury there, there were no healthy churches that that students could plug into so we pretty rapidly became a part of church reform and uh, and seeing a church revitalized um, and that was an exciting time you know I, I became an elder at UCCD uh, early on um, we we targeted two things that needed to be done which was membership up, up to that time membership had been kind of you know, no one was attending to it, and so actually, people were joining the church that that weren't believers and expository preaching. So uh, that that's where we started. Now, how did you meet Dave? We met Dave through you. Yeah, Matt, <laughs> okay. our relationship. Well, with you. how did you meet course, Dave? That's a, that was a delightful thing. I think <laughs> over time, as the church was kind of revitalized, was reformed, um, the pastor who had been there for a number of years, he was a stand in the gap, good guy. But just realized, you know, this wasn't for him. It wasn't the place he wanted to be. He didn't want to be a senior pastor. The church was growing by God's grace. Uh, so uh, he, he agreed that we needed to bring in someone who would provide health for the church. So it was a marvelous thing on his part. Um, my first phone call was to Mark Dever. I said, Mark, I, I, you know, I'm head of the pastoral search committee. Um, and we, we uh, need someone. And actually who I want is Michael Lawrence. Well, we know Michael. Yeah, you know Michael. And so, and Mark was. For those who don't, Michael Lawrence was the associate pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church for about eight and a half years, and now is the senior pastor at Henson Baptist Church in Portland, Oregon. And at the time, Mark had invested a lot and had been hoping for many years for Michael to show up at Capitol Hill and help. And I could hear it in his voice. It was this. Uh, uh, Michael's really critical for us, but he. He knew I had him over a barrel because we're talking about the Middle East, <laughs> yeah. and we have enormous needs, you know. So he couldn't. There was no trump card that he could play. But he said, 
that please, I, please, I'll send someone really, really good. <laughs> you know, let me. Uh, well, and that person had to be good because you you had lots of nationalities and lots of denominations coming probably, into one place, right? Like seven hundred people showing up at the church, uh, maybe fifty, sixty nationalities coming. It was, it was there was a lot of traditions, denominations, and traditions. Were, must have been crazy. Numbers, enormous numbers of denominations and backgrounds and understandings of how you run church. So. Uh, and Mark, in the end, you know, as, as, as much as I scared Mark initially, I think in the end Mark was exactly right. Uh, the man that he saw fitting us well was John Fulmer. Um, and John came about five years ago. So John was saved at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Right. And he was then on the disciples were here. Coming here. He was here to work. Uh, uh, one day out running, uh, he saw the signboard for Capitol Hill, decided he'd stop in, maybe, you know, kind of develop some... Uh, contacts there he heard the astounding message of of the gospel Jesus Christ saves sinners and Mark led him to Christ he's uh, quit his law practice went to seminary at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and came uh, back to Capitol Hill to work on staff a couple years with the idea of going out sometime but probably not to Dubai yeah and 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 yet it was clear that he and Thabiti Anyabwile came over six years ago when Thabiti was doing a Muslim Christian dialogue for us. And um, I fell in love with the place and the opportunity and the privilege of being in one of the most strategic centers in the 1040 window. And so um, uh, John was gripped and so was Carrie, his wife. Um, they joined us pretty quickly after that initial visit with a, with a great sense of what God was going to do. And, and what happened by John coming over was developing this um, culture of, of discipleship, a culture of, of what it meant to be a, a church that plants other churches, uh, a real willingness to sacrifice, uh, great teaching. You know, so, so the other seven marks, you know, we started with membership and expository preaching. But John began putting in place solid leadership, biblical understandings of conversion and evangelism. You know, the, the, the marks began to be built up in the church to allow us enough health to think about what it meant to plant a church. And that was where, that was where Dave showed up uh, in the midst of that. And so you see Literally showed up? Dave pretty much literally <laughs> showed up. Now, Dave, well, Dave is one amazing guy. I rarely go anywhere where people don't know him. His networks are astounding. Um, and he, he will tell you more of his story. But uh, it, was, it was for me like, who is this guy that suddenly is just dro- parachuted in to Dubai to help plant church? Uh, his commitment to our church was astounding. He was in language school in a, uh, a town uh, called Aline about an hour south. He was coming up to, to, to faithfully attend church, to, to get to know the elders, to get to know other key members in the church. He was he and his wife and small children uh, plugged in in, a, in an astounding way, really, for the church. Dave has some nerve damage in his arms, so he's he's got a disability that's quite painful. So he pushed through pain. He pushed through sacrifice to to get there. He drug his family over, who, who were not actually drug. Gloria is an astounding and amazing woman who accompanied him, uh, his wife. So we saw we saw Dave. Uh, just show up on the scene with a sense that if he did not come to Dubai, he was being disobedient. He okay, now, before we get to where we go there, Dave, tell us what brought you to this point, how you came to know the Lord, your background there, what got you to, I'm moving to Dubai. 
Yeah, I was born in California, but then I moved around all around the U.S. and eventually landed in Texas. Went to Catholic Church here and there, but never heard the gospel uh, clearly until my freshman year at the University of North Texas. So it was just another freshman student who came to the university with uh, an idea that he was going to be an evangelist. He was going to share the gospel with with anybody that he could. Uh, And so I was faced for the first time with hearing this good news that Jesus Christ died, as Max said, to save sinners. And so it just gripped me. And over the course of my first and second semester uh, at university, I began grappling with the message. And then uh, the Lord, through the work of His Spirit, brought me to a point of repentance of my sins and belief in Christ. So that was the end of my first year. And quickly after that, I, I gave the next decade to university ministry there in Denton, Texas, uh, right north of Dallas. And, and during that time of ministry, God had placed on my heart to go serve among the unreached. It was actually pretty soon after I became a Christian. So I spent three months in the kingdom of Jordan in the Middle East. And that's where God placed on my heart the Middle Eastern region for the first time. And then met my wife, Gloria. Uh, we were married eight years ago and both had that same passion. And so we took our college ministry on different trips. And it was one summer we spent six weeks in Shanghai, China, and a month in Mombasa, Kenya. And in between, uh, we did a layover in Dubai, just a quick five-day layover. At that time, we were kind of open-handed. We were, thought we were headed to southern Spain, North Africa, uh, uh, but we were kind of holding it open-handed. And when we saw Dubai, we noticed this incredibly fast-growing city. We noticed mosques on every corner. We noticed an unreached people groups that had never had uh, churches in the history uh, of their people groups. And, uh, and we just saw that great diversity. So it just was on our mind from the very beginning. So I get back from the trip, and I start looking on the Internet and making phone calls. And I got a hold of uh, United Christian Church of Dubai. Uh, and so I called John Fulmer. This was three months after he arrived to Dubai. And I remember calling him and being so excited about the work here that I literally asked him if I could have a job at the church right there on my first phone call. And he just laughed and said, well, I just got here. and We're working through some church reform uh, type things right now. Uh, but he just encouraged me to to show up to kind of do what you know uh, what you had said, Mac. And then I met Mac a few months after that in Kuwait. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. I just grabbed Mac in Kuwait City at this conference, and we had about three meals together, uh, and just began to dream a little bit about the church plant. And we met you at a weekender. Yeah. So that was about five years ago. So uh, my, my connection here was about five or six years ago, picking up uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church and reading that, getting on the website some, and then after I heard John Fulmer was connected to CHBC, then I you know, started reading more and getting uh, more involved, uh, so that's kind of where the partnership In some began. ways, if Dave, uh, you know, if Dave had not been so lucid, I, I think I would have thought he was a little crazy, <laughs> and yet I'd done it myself, you know, I knew, what, I knew what it was like, uh, so yeah, so... <laughs> But but his his vision was compelling and his his uh, his view of what what God could do was expansive a real sense so of God's sovereignty. What's interesting though is Mac, how long had you been there at UCCD with John before Dave showed up on just the a couple years? We've been there before John. So I moved at the end of two thousand and one, right after nine eleven. Okay, and John um, moved in two thousand five. Uh, moved in two thousand and five. Uh, so, you know, we had spent four years. And you came, Dave. moved in 2008 in September, and we lived an hour and a half away and studied Arabic just to kind of try to learn as much about the culture as we could. And that's when we had dr- driven up each weekend just to go attend church. So we went through the membership process at UCCD uh, and just, just began spending time with members and with elders, just kind of getting to know them and getting to know John, getting to know the... Uh, the other folks there at UCC. So were you sent out by an agency? Did you raise your own money? Yeah, we raised our own funding. Okay. Uh, went through an agency here and 
uh, and came on full support with, with the hopes of, of planting uh, a new uh, church in Dubai in partnership with UCCD. But at that point, um, I, well, I guess we'll get to that in, in a little bit. So, and here, Related to that, then, here's my question. You arrived in 2001, in Mac style, sorry, and Dave, you arrived in 2008. So there's seven years of ministry before that. So my question is, for you, Mac, what do you have to do before the church planner arrives? That is, how do you create a culture for church planning? Yeah, I, well, that's a great question, Ryan. I, uh, and, I, you know, so some of the things we fell into, uh, and some of the things were really intentional. But I think, I think uh, we, we really attached ourselves to uh, the philosophy of ministry called Nine Marks. Um, so I, I, I feel like one of the most important things that we did was recognize we want a biblical, healthy church. Um, to develop a biblical healthy church allows you to plant a biblical healthy church. So do you have to have a healthy church to plant a well, church? Well, I mean, you know, you know how it is. Well, in one sense, no church is completely healthy. You've always got things right. you're working on. But, but I think in terms of biblical foundational principles, yes. Or you will reproduce something dysfunctional and sick. So you want to you want to you you want to nail down some critical components of a healthy church. Um, so I would I would start there. Make sure everyone's on the same page in terms of philosophy of ministry, um, which is you know for us it was nine marks. We we put those things in place. And you know there's a lot of things to work on in that. But by and large the church was at that place. I think in a healthy place had turned the corner where we could envision what it meant to to plant a church in a place of need. So Redeemer, our church, is on the other side of the city. And, um, and so part of it is need. But part of it was making sure that the church was healthy. I think there's a, there's a number of things that we can do. Maybe Dave would want to chime in on, on healthy church too and developing that church culture. But elders were important to have the elders on board. What did you do? What would you do if they weren't all in agreement with your philosophy? Well, they weren't always on. They weren't always on the same page. I mean, well, there's lots of, as you know, the, in in the in the real elder meetings, there's lots of discussion and 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 conversations. But I think the the vision is so compelling, especially for us in the Middle East. It's so compelling. Look, we people are dying without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we 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 must we must do this. You know, we've got to we've got to make these moves out of obedience to Christ and his call for the Great Commission. So, so in one sense, it's a very compelling uh, thing to be a part. To, to, to remember, I think, that God's chosen method of, of mission and evangelism is the church. I'm a parachurch guy. I love parachurch ministry. But God's method is the church. And that's, that's actually kind of... That's evolved in your own mind over the oh, decades? Sure. Yeah. I, and a lot because I was there. Uh, you know, where all of a sudden I had to think through these issues. So, at the end of uh, end of the '90s, I was I was realizing a parachurch ministry is not healthy without a strong ecclesiology. We've we've got to make sure that we understand distinctions between parachurch and church. We've got to make sure that the things that we're calling people to is the church, even in parachurch ministry. So. Uh, that, that, of course, is crystallized when you're in a place where you've only got one or two churches mm-hmm. to send people into, um, whereas, whereas that had not been as, as clear. Dave, Dave, any comments from you on, on what you need to do before you plant a church to create that culture uh, in the mother church for church planting? Yeah, I think a lot of what, what Max said, I think you as leadership, you know, the best that you can is to get the elders and the leaders uh, on board, but... 
to clearly communicate to your people, to continue to put it in front of the congregation, in front of the membership, that this is what we're all about, that it's more about the kingdom than about our own church, about growing our own church to a certain size or measuring success uh, by numerical growth or by fame, but instead to measure success uh, uh, regarding gospel growth and kingdom-mindedness. So I'm sure we'll talk more about it in a little bit, but UCCD did a great job thinking uh, about the kingdom and not about their own territory, about their own uh, church. So I think being sacrificial uh, as, as a home church, kind of preparing your people uh, that that uh, is is the target, that it's not... Sacrificial necessary. with finances, no. with... People, Friend, friendship, people, staff, staff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they were incredible. I mean, one of the one of the keys really to Redeemer's success as a new church, and we just launched one one year ago. So this is still fresh on our minds. They're still very involved at UCCD. But I think it started with 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 uh, with Mac being there and with John Fulmer having a couple key elders that were really behind it, that were committed to the vision. Uh, that were generous, and so they've given us a lot of funding uh, for three years. They've given us a lot already for these first two years. They uh, they were uh, gave, gave us staff, gave us multiple elders, and so they were very generous. And it, it was it was hurt it was hurtful for them. It was hard. It was a sacrifice. There were times that were difficult. I want to I want to spend a lot of time thinking through what are these elements of, of a successful church plant. But one one question before that. What do you do, Mac and, and Dave, if, if your church planner just doesn't show up on his own <laughs> after seven years of preparing the church for church planning? How do you recruit the right man? Well, and once you do get him, even if he just shows up, how do you train him? How do you prepare him for church planting? It's interesting as I look back on things that John Fulmer was intentional, uh, thoughtful. We, we, really, we had structure and, and ideas and, and a place to receive him, and uh, we, we recruited. You know, We called a network of friends, in, in that case, Mark. Uh, Dave just parachutes in. He just shows up, kind of like you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and 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 so you know, you have to be. I think one of the things you have to be is is attentive to what God is doing around you. You know, be be watchful. Think through what what's going on on people's hearts as they come in. So I I I'm I, you know, there's people that say just come on, you know, just just show up, and then there's people who think they have to plan 20 years before they before they ever make a move. And I think, I think we have to be open to both of those in some ways. The great thing about Dave was he had prepared, he'd been at seminary, he'd, he'd done internships in churches, he'd networked broadly, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd learned and grown from Nine Marks, from other, other associations and networks. So he, he was really, uh, you know, ready to go. Plus, you know, he had so had he international... So he largely trained. Our... Yeah, there was a lot of training, a lot of investment in Dave. Um, so, you know, he wasn't... He wasn't just right out of seminary. I mean, there were some things that were really had gone on with Dave, plus a compelling sense that God wanted him to be there. He knew that the, to be obedient in his, his walk with Christ. He, he needed to come to Dubai. So that was very compelling for us. Now, in one sense, we didn't, you know, we, we were never in that mentality that just whoever shows up, we hire. But on the other hand, because Dave was there and a willing servant and, you know, teachable, uh, he, he came on the church staff pretty quickly. I remember the elder uh, meeting where we approved for Dave to come on as our church planning pastor. Just go ahead and take him on the staff because he had proven himself in the congregation. And So there's a sense of the compelling nature of his own call by showing up there that was great. You know, often in these international settings, you don't have the kind of structure to receive people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was. It was wonderful to see that kind of vision and purpose in Dave's life, and the and the uh, difficulties that he had overcome uh, to to be there. Disabilities, 
uh, raising support, bringing his young family. So all these things were very attractive to see his heart for that place. We don't need hired hands. You know, we, we don't want hired hands in the Middle East. Uh, we don't want them anywhere, uh, obviously. We, we, want, we want shepherds who, who protect the flock. So it seems in many ways that the, the appropriate man to recruit for church planning largely, by the grace of God, will recruit himself through his own initiative, sure. his own drive, yeah, his own call, of... and his own fruitfulness yeah. in, in, in doing the work of the ministry locally in the church already. And I would say there wasn't a single person that we called mm-hmm. back in the States about Dave that, that had anything but wonderful things to say about him. I, mean, they, I think people, the only negative thing was Dave tends to overwork. <laughs> you know, so you need to just, you need to get him, get him slowed down a little. But, but brother, uh, I would commend you, Dave, to the fact that you didn't just go try to plant in Abu Dhabi all by yourself, but that you put yourself under these elders at UCCD for the, the many months that you did. Well, that just makes it even more obvious. Yeah. I think your humility and, in, uh, in going out that way. It only benefited me and, and supported me and yeah. set us up. But how many guys are impatient that way? Yeah, you know, yeah. They, Dave they, was they a model, I think a model uh, for, for church planting in an international context for sure, but a great model for a, a local context here in the States as well. It seems that the right man has that initiative and that drive, but there's a humility. He, he's driven to a local healthy church where he can submit himself to the oversight and the training and the mentorship and the discipleship of a godly plurality of elders. Well, because, I mean, as an elder at UCCD and all those elders, they've got, they're going to give an account for what you do with your sheep. Absolutely. And you're just not going to turn them over to some shepherd that you don't know. Right, right. So, you know. That was very important. I'm not sure why everybody doesn't think this way. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Dave, in your experience, as you sat, you know, I think you wisely and humbly sat under UCCD's ministry before you went to Plant Redeemer. Um, an important step. As you reflect on that time sitting in their eldership and their care, what was most instrumental and helpful in your training? How would you encourage other pastors, you know, in light of your experience, to think about and train the young men under their care for church planning? What, were, what was most helpful in that training period before you were planted? Yeah, it was a wonderful year and a half that we were there uh, sitting under John Fulmer and the elders. I think one thing that stands out is that the gospel needs to be central, that the preaching of the gospel and God's word needs to be central. And uh, Pastor Fulmer uh, and the others that preached really modeled that for me. Uh, They modeled humility in preaching the message of the word and not themselves or their own personal uh, experiences. I think a a lot of young church planters that go out, there's a tendency of us to try to do whatever it takes to reach the people around us. You know, know, whether it's watered down or or changing the, the gospel message to be kinder or more prosperous or more relevant. Or whether it's just spending all your time on strategies and vision and mission and planning, all these things, which it's good to plan, it's good to be prepared, uh, but what we saw at UCCD modeled by uh, John was the centrality of the gospel and of preaching uh, the word of God. So as we went into our beginning stages of starting Redeemer, we wanted to make sure that that uh, was central to what we do. And not that we just talk about gospel centrality, it's, it's definitely rather... Uh, hip to talk about that, that we're going to be gospel-centered church, but, but more than just saying it, but modeling it. So uh, demonstrating it in our services. So you know, we aim to sing gospel-centered songs. We aim to pray gospel-saturated prayers in our pastoral prayers. 
Uh, we aim to read uh, God's word in our services and to preach God's word, make sure we're preaching the point of the passage as the point of the message and making sure that we're showing our people how every part of scripture points to Jesus Christ uh, and then to elevate the sacraments, the, the, the baptism and the Lord's Supper in their proper place as uh, the visual display of the gospel. So kind of our strategy uh, going in was to do that, was just to unveil this beautiful gospel to our people and make sure that we're not distracting people from it. So oftentimes strategies can distract uh, people from what's most important. So what I saw modeled at UCCD was was really just a plain method of faithfully preaching God's word week in and week out, which I saw John Fulmer do brilliantly there at UCCD and making sure that we're tying everything in to uh, the gospel message. So I think that was something that was was quite impacting for me in Dubai, and I noticed that it worked it worked great there in the Middle Eastern setting. Well, and brothers, I had the privilege of being with you and even teaching there at Redeemer in 2010. And there's one more element, and that is the community that comes from all that you just talked about was evident. So most churches you go into, you know, the last prayer, the benediction is given, and everybody heads out, right? Yeah. But your place was crowded. You couldn't get through the hallways, you know, because people were talking to each other. They're excited, and it wasn't just talking about the, the latest cricket game or anything. Yeah. There was, and there was, and there were young people there. You know, there cricket. What's that? <laughs> well, I right? figured that's something you would do in Dubai. The World Cup is going on right now, so it is a topic. But there, your people were hanging together. There was a community there that was that's coming out of all that gospel gospel centeredness. Oh yeah, it's a very, it's very exciting evident. and dynamic. Um, and they were good listeners. When you teach, they, they, they are tracking with you. They're not sleepy. <laughs> I think First Thessalonians 2.8 says, uh, Paul says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I think those are tied in uh, very well together. We not only want to preach and proclaim the gospel, but we, but we want to see gospel relationships formed around, around Jesus Christ. And so praise God that that's happening. It's exciting for us as we walk into church nowadays to see people from maybe 16 nations gathering together. 16? 60. 60. 60 nations are in our church. Probably more, really. I, yeah, I think we I have about know. 30 in our membership and probably 20 or 30 more. Oh, easily. Uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, multiple languages, people from all continents. So I'm, I don't know if we have anyone from Antarctica, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, just a joyful uh, time of seeing how the gospel is more powerful than those things in the world which divide us. To see people coming together because of the right preaching of the gospel and understanding the gospel, uh, breaching the barriers of the world. Um, it's a testimony to the gospel. It commends the gospel to see that kind of gathering uh, together in the so church. So going into... Going to church at Redeemer is going to a hotel. Yeah, we go to a really nice hotel. Though. Yeah, it's, it's a fun hotel. <laughs> there are only nice hotels in Dubai, yeah. you know? <laughs> Praise God. We're, we're in the bu- one of the busiest shopping malls in Dubai. It's the first mega mall of Dubai, right across the creek, which kind of divides the city. So we're about, like it's 35 or 40 minutes from UCCD, and uh, it's neat. Our mall, our, our hotel room, opens up right into the mall, literally. So on Christmas Eve, we were actually able to t- take down the back uh, partition, kind of the, uh, and we were able to, to sing and preach the gospel, really open air yeah. uh, in Dubai, which is really incredible. So everybody in all the restaurants of the hotel and the people working down at the front desk and the people into the mall were stumbling in, hearing us sing these songs about the incarnation of God who came in the flesh, and were able to, to hear us preach uh, the Christmas message. So it's a wonderful uh, location. Have you ever had uh, anybody surprise you by their attendance? Oh, well, 
Well, I mean, Dubai is a surprising place almost every day, you know, because of the cultural diversity. But sure, yeah, people wander in from all kinds of faith backgrounds uh-huh. into church, and we're we're delighted they're there. We welcome them, and we uh, we pray for our rulers in Dubai and, and and the leadership. We're we're excited about the opportunities that may not always be there, but are right now. So, but certainly, you know, the, the I don't know the uh, five, six, seven hundred people that are coming right now to the service are hearing the gospel faithfully uh, preached. Uh, and and people are are coming to Christ. And what is the, so the locals, the Emiratis, are make up what percentage of? Probably you? about fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. Kind of official. Official is about fifteen to twenty percent. Everybody else, Maybe foreigners more. coming in to work. Yeah. So it's a very unusual uh, demographic. So Dave, you told me a story about uh, an Emirati looking in on your yeah. on your. Basically, being a peeping tom. Yeah. Can you repeat that? Yeah, you know, t- t- thinking about this gospel and how it forms our relationships. Yeah. Uh, we live surrounded by these locals from from the Emirates, and so we have a villa about ten minutes, a house ten minutes from the airport, and it's a nice big house, the big outdoor area. So we have church family potlucks, uh, which are incredible. Me as the pastor, I get to try everybody's food. They bring me their their homemade food, and it's delicious. And so we hosted one of these one month. And, it, you know, we had a lady who lives right next door and she was watching dur- during the evening. And when my wife followed up with her later on that week. So this, this lady's an Emirati looking in on all these people pouring into your house yeah, looking from in. all different ethnic backgrounds and nationalities. Yeah, she's looking in and she's just staring and she's seeing Indians walk in with their food, Filipinos, Africans, Westerners. And, and so she talks to my wife the next week and says, I saw all these different people coming in and they were all carrying food and then they were eating together at your house and she asked, why, why would you ever want to do that? <laughs> you know, and then she said, and as I watched, it looked like everyone was having a good time. It looked like they, they had fun and you enjoyed it. Why would you ever want to do that? And this particular family had never been in a non-Emirati home in their life. Uh, and so they were just shocked and my wife uh, Gloria responded to her and said it's because of Jesus because Jesus Christ knocks down every dividing wall he knocks down everything that would segregate us because the gospel of Christ brings us as unified brothers and sisters in Jesus and so she was able to go in and share the gospel and it was just earth shattering uh, for this lady to, to hear this to hear that Christ would unify uh, through himself. What a, wonder, what a wonderful picture of Christ's body, living the unity and diversity, the, the beauty of the church, the power and radiance of the gospel as we live our lives together. That's, that's great to hear this picture of, of Redeemer. This is about a year after the church plant, right? Yeah, a little over a year, 13 months. So as, it, as is, it is a picture of Revelation 7-9 when every tongue, nation, and tribe stands before the throne of God. We, we feel like every service is a little taste of that uh, prophetic view of heaven. Amen. So here it is, 2011, uh, 10 years, Mac, after you parachuted in, and, and you went the church renewal at UCCD, and then the church plant in 2008. As you, as you look back over the past decade, and especially the past three years with the church plant actual, what would you say were the key elements that were um, essential to your success in faithfully planting this biblical church, this, this picture of heaven that, that we were just hearing about? Yeah, it's a great question. So we talked about the gospel already, and I think faithfully preaching the gospel uh, was the first key. I think another thing that was of great benefit to us was having uh, an amazing supporting church or mother church. So we briefly mentioned how generous UCCD and John Fulmer and the other elders 
uh, their word to us. And so they were firmly invested uh, in our work. Uh, Mac, Mac, what did you say? The difference between a yeah, church well, split, yeah, I was just thinking, the difference between a church you know, split people, and a plan. People have very few models for, for doing this well. And especially, I think, in, in our context, there's, a, there's lots of church splits. So a number of folks have come to us and said, Mac, was, was this a church split? And I said, I've discovered the, the, how to determine the difference between the two. And they go, what? Tell me. If they give you money, it's a church plant. <laughs> and UCCD has been incredibly generous. That's great. Um, well, give, give me specifics, because I understand big picture that, you know, the elements here of sacrifice, of support, of, of leadership yeah. buy-in. But what does this practically look like when Dave and Mac want to leave? How, 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 how does that sacrifice look like in real life in terms of... Well, well, you know, the, here. the most important thing to a pastor is not really the money; it's yeah. it's his people. Yeah, and I think that that was the biggest sacrifice for from John Fulmer. Yeah, for John to really even take me on. So John, you know, brought me on staff and invested time into me. So that's that's a big. I mean, he's a senior pastor of a, of a you know growing uh, large church in the Middle East, and he brought me on staff. He invested time to mentor me and time for me just to observe and to be there. So that was a huge part of it. Uh, and just preparing uh, me to go. And then what John did was just incredibly beautiful and sacrificial when he called the church to go. He challenged them to go. He was humble. He was... All of them? Or just some of them? Anyone to go. I think yeah. about three people. Well, he backslid on three guys. You know, he kind of... <laughs> three, three out of how many? Three, three out of 139. So John, John just spoke about two weeks ago at our church, and uh, he said we... we we are thrilled that 139 of you left to go to Redeemer. Not that we're counting. <laughs> no, he just called the church to go. He supported them uh, to go. And uh, he lovingly encouraged them to go, which was a really beautiful picture of, of the kingdom. So when John came uh, two weeks ago to preach a Redeemer, he preached on the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and really, it was just a beautiful picture of, of, of them taking a hit. So it, it was hard for them to, to lose key leaders uh, you know, key evangelists to go to the church plant, but what John had in mind was the kingdom, not UCCD. Mm-hmm. And so UCCD takes a hit; they lose a little, uh, you know, lose some key people, lose some some uh, tithing, lose you know some important pieces to the church for the sake of reaching Dubai uh, and reaching the UAE with the gospel of Christ. You know, and I would add, Ryan, that um, the goal initially has really happened for student ministry. So you know the initial impetus was, we've got to have we've got to have healthy churches. Well, Redeemer is filled with these young students who've come to faith. Um, you know the the church supports outreach in powerful ways. We just finished uh, the Muslim Christian dialogue. It's, I mean, as far as we know, it's the only Muslim Christian dialogue that's going on of its nature in the Arabian Peninsula. We feel undergirded by that. The students that come to Redeemer, we're confident, are going to be discipled in Christ to hear the gospel. Uh, are going to grow in the Lord and have a long-term impact in, in, in many, many ways. So uh, tremendous things like that have happened. Good sending church, uh, gospel-saturated everything. Uh, other distinctives for planting a church? Even now, even if you're planting, is it, is it different to plant a church in Dubai versus Iowa? <laughs> well, you know, as globalization is upon us, uh, it may not be as different as it used to be. Uh, but absolutely, there's some obvious differences between the, the multi-ethnic and vibrant nature of 
of Dubai and the tremendous flux that happens there. Do you have to water down your distinctives, like on baptism or communion? Yeah, well, or this is what you, you want to be careful of, that you're not watering down uh, important gospel truths. And so it is interesting, being in a context like us, you know, as far as we know, there's United Christian Church of Dubai and Redeemer Church of Dubai uh, that, that holds a similar distinctives. And so um, it, 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 there's a temptation there. You know, to to water down certain things, and we're struggling through that right now. We're thinking through how does that work when you don't have evangelical pedo Baptist churches uh, in in the UAE, or you don't have this or that. So it, 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 there's definitely some some thinking that that goes on, and some prayer and thinking through what does that look like for for our two churches and future churches. Uh, but the things you never want to change, you never want to change the gospel message, you never want to contextualize the gospel message. Um, I think one one thing that while you're talking, uh, Matt, is uh, just really team. Uh, I see a lot of uh, church planters go out uh, kind of on their own, which is what we would have done if it wasn't by God's grace to bring us together with with UCCD. Um, but to have a team that you're going with, so to have other staff members, if you can, that can that you can you can go other other leaders and elders. So uh, the the most valuable person in my book, in many ways, is, is Max Styles. Just I remember the day when him and Leanne came up to uh, Gloria and myself and just grabbed us and said, "We really, really want to come uh, to the church plant." It was great for us to have someone older, not too much, not too much older, <laughs> but, but a little bit older, someone who's a generation above, who's had ministry experience and who. Uh, you know, has been a part of church plants before. Someone who's a driver, someone who's a catalyzer, and so you want the right makeup of uh, of evangelists and people that can move and get things uh, done. And Mac was was that for us, and really gave me credibility as a new pastor. I've never been a senior pastor before, uh, very little you know pastoral experience. Uh, but Mac was a huge help, and other people like Mac who came as well uh, to help give Are us. There some people that you don't let come. <laughs> No, that's a, yeah, you know. I don't like John Fulmer, so I'm coming to your know, church. I, I, don't, I think we did. I think we said all comers. I, I don't recall any. Yeah, and the one thing you want, you want to give any back? <laughs> well, the one thing that you want to be careful of is people that are church hopping. So the yeah. more church plants we start, we don't want people coming uh, to churches based on a personality of the pastor. You know, we don't want uh, that to take place. So we do, you know, after the initial start, you know, we would have people trickle in here and there, and you want to always have individual conversations with these people and figure out, are they leaving for, for bad reasons? Are they running from something? Yeah. So if they're a member at UCCD, we're very careful to tell them to go back, to stay there. Resolve uh, that problem. Resolve that always. Yeah. And that's very few people, thankfully, uh, that that came to play. But we want to be careful that we're not just shifting people. So UCCD sent us about 100, I guess 39, according to John's count, and, and a few others, uh, you know, a couple other dozen others. Uh, and so you want to start with that core, but the goal is to reach new people. Uh, for Christ. So the rest of our growth has been new people, some non-believers, some converts this yeah. past yeah. month, month and a half. We had several people uh, come to know Jesus Christ, several people that thought they were Christians all their lives, uh, who've given their, given their lives. Uh, Any particular Jesus. thing for uh, the wives of church planters? Mm. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, yeah. Do they have to be able to be carry 800 pounds on their back? Uh, yeah. And he, let me <laughs> add a corollary question to that. How did how did UCCD that year and a half that you were there help not just you, Dave, but also your wife and your family prepare for church planning? You know. No. That's those are great questions. I think one thing that UCCD was helpful with, and also talking to Mike McKinley, had a couple of coffees with him, just trying to be careful 
not seeing it as I'm working full-time in this church plant and then my wife here who has two kids putting her under the bus as a full-time church planter as if we're getting like a two-for-one full-time deal. And so, you know, that was just great modeling from guys like John and then talking to Mike from his experience. Uh, And so from the very beginning, we wanted to try to protect uh, Gloria from having to take on too much church responsibility, which is great having people like Leanne Stiles, Mac's wife, who's headed up our women's ministry. And so there's great people that have come in to really kind of kind of taken the gap where, where we haven't felt really even that pressure, which has been great. So Gloria has been able to support me and encourage me. She's been able to engage in evangelism, which is kind of her spiritual gifting. So I want to make sure that she's free to do what God made her to do, to visit our neighbors, to share the gospel with the unreached. Rather, be, rather than be in charge of children's ministry. Yeah. So we, we, decided, we decided that my wife wouldn't have a formal role. She rotated on the once a month uh, children's ministry for a bit until our third child, our son was born, and now she stepped back really from anything formal. And we're doing our best to try to protect uh, her uh, from that, but wanting to free her up to do, you know, f- for her it's evangelism. So we're, we're trying to be conscious of that. Yeah. I I, I, well, we're, we're on the other end of the spectrum from Dave and our, This is our first year to be empty nesters. Our youngest just left for university. Uh, uh, and so we, we feel like, Leanna especially, has enjoyed and loved being a part of the church plant, working with women's ministries. There's an odd dynamic. This is one of the biggest differences between planting a church in Dubai and one in Iowa is we don't have retired people. If you retire, you go back home. You can't stay there. So uh, Leanne and I, even though we're, we're just in our 50s, we're, we're one of the older you know, couples in the church. And so Leanne spends a lot of her time fulfilling the commands of uh, out of Titus yeah, to, right. to take care of the younger women a lot of younger women and Leanne's been a go-to person for for uh, a lot of situations for women's ministries plus leading the Bible studies that are going so on. it's worked out well for us where I didn't really feel the temptation of even having to put my wife in, in a difficult situation potentially so even for children of church planters you guys kind of have the optimal your, your kids are grown and your kids are little they're just happy to be wherever daddy yeah. and mommy are yeah, it's, it's a great that season. other age the middle age yeah. is probably the tough age yeah isn't it? in some right. ways yeah. although you know our our oldest son is has uh, graduated from here at George Washington and, and come back to be a part of UCCD hmm. uh, he's got a job in Abu Dhabi and he, he loves being a part of the church and so it's exciting to see the children who've been in these cultural contexts cross-cultural situations plugging into the church and being a part of uh, uh, the health of uh, a growing church. David Mack, a question. You mentioned that one of the key elements of a successful church plant is uh, the, the mother church, the sending church, sending you well, sacrificially, with uh, leadership, with support. Uh, but how, how do you, as the church that is sent, the church plant, how do you leave well? If you're sent well, that's an important element, of course. But how do you leave the mother, sh- the mother church well? Now, what did y'all learn about that? Because it's obviously, it is hard and it is sacrificial and Satan would love to create distrust and suspicion sure. and competition and lack of cooperation. So how, how is the planters, do you leave the sending church well? And Dave has a lot to say about this. I mean, for those of, of you who can see their faces, they're smiling <laughs> at each other. Yeah, we, this, is, this is probably an area where we feel like we wish we had 
done a little better. I, I think we, we should be more attentive to our brothers and sisters at the Mother Church. It's exciting to be the church plant, so people are going to something new. A kid going off to yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's a new adventure, and you time goes by really fast, and yeah. then you look back and you're, you, you look back and see a whole year has gone by already yeah. because you're on this exciting adventure. So I think being really thankful to to the uh, the sending church, being in good communication with them uh, throughout. I think just recognizing that it's hard for those that stay, especially when so many go. You know, you're breaking up uh, friendships, uh, not for good, but certainly you're not going to get to see one another uh, as often. So recognizing that it's going to be hard for them and beginning to pray for them and encourage them and, and cast vision of kind of that, that kingdom-mindedness, yeah. which I think we could have done better, Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think maybe to build in earlier joint uh, gatherings, like we did a men's retreat just uh, last weekend with Sabidi, uh, that was a joyful time for the men to come together from both UCCD and Redeemer. Uh, there's been a number of other kind of things that we did later, having John come in and speak. I, I wish we'd kind of built those in sooner. I wish we'd been more attentive. It's almost structuring and, associations. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's right, mm-hmm. Ryan. I think, I think we could have done that a little bit. And, you know, that's a live and learn. They never complained mm-hmm. about that. They were very gracious about that as well. But just uh, in taking care as those who, who are launching a, a church, a part of the launch, I think need to be more attentive to, to how it's easier to leave than to be left. And I think casting the vision for the, the church that sends is really in a unique season of life and ministry too and almost to consider yourself kind of like a church plant at least Mm -hmm. with regard to evangelism and outreach Mm -hmm. so you're losing people you're sending people to start this new effort but for you as well to get out there and invite everybody you know begin to share the gospel perhaps at a heightened uh, awareness around the town and with your co-workers I would have loved as as myself as a church planting kind of pastor kind of helping to cast that vision better before we left I think I was really really excited to get going Uh, but I think that's something that we will do better in the future. That, that reminds me of something that Wes Pastor, he's a, mm-hmm. the, the pastor of NETS, New England Theological Church Planning Institute, he said, he's, he said to me one day, he said, church planning, when the church plant happens, that's actually the beginning of the relationship with the mother sending church. It's not the, it's not the celebration, the finish line, it's the starting line. Yeah. It's the beginning of a beautiful relationship that's just yeah. going to go to a new stage. So it's kind of that continued relationship piece. I think as a former elder at UCCD, I wish we had taken to heart more. We, we got some good counsel, actually. Um, Tim Keller's church um, has done a lot of good thinking about wh- the good things that come from church planting for the mother church. And we had read an article or two from them. But I wish we had, we had implemented that better. This is an opportunity for for developing leadership is an opportunity for evangelism as Dave said is an opportunity to grow our own church and think of ourselves as a church and, and we've seen some of that the neat thing is when you multiply you start raising up new leaders and so at UCCD now there's new men preaching that didn't have preaching opportunities mm-hmm. some of us are preaching there's new small group leaders there's new deacons and so we've seen now two churches that are on the road to, to, to being you know healthy oh, yeah. churches now with eight elders and eight elders mm-hmm. uh, or we have six elders but you know deacons and small group leaders and so we've seen how even just a year, uh, numerically, uh, it's grown. Leaders have grown and yeah. even conversions. Yeah, I have no worries about UCCD. They, they've gone from strength to strength. Yeah. So it's good to see. By God's grace. Yeah, yeah. Not, by not, God's not grace. Us. But uh, yeah, I wish we just, you know, been a little more intentional about those things. So going forward then, do you build in to the DNA of Redeemer church planting? 
Yeah. Absolutely. Or you're not there yet. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a new church. When do you yeah. start church? Yeah. Yeah. When you plant the church. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Amen. Start, so, yeah. What's that look like? You start praying for other areas of the city? Other uh, other areas, other ethnic groups, other language groups. You know, kind of, are, are we... You know, so we, we don't plant ethnic churches. We only plant language churches, based churches. Uh, so ours is obviously an English-speaking church. Uh, but we would love to see Farsi, Farsi-speaking mm-hmm. churches. We would love to see other churches that are healthy. Arabic, we have Arabic-speaking churches, some, some good ones, actually, in Dubai. But we, we would like to see more of those in different locales. So uh, we're, we're, we're on that now. Yeah, I'm spending some time thinking through what does that look like to, to set up a pastoral training center, you know, in, in Dubai. How do we do it more intentionally? So we're, you know, we're looking at, as you mentioned, some of these other language groups. You know, we'll be looking in, hopefully in conjunction with UCCD and planting another English-speaking church, Lord willing, uh, in the next two or three years. We're also looking at opportunities to reform churches as well. So we're always keeping, you know, there's a Spanish-speaking pastor, a Colombian pastor, about 30 minutes away that we started to disciple. We got all the Nine Marks uh, books in Spanish. We got a couple of Desiring God books in Spanish and Wayne Grudem's uh, theology in Spanish. And so we're starting to take him through some of those things. And he's just a Colombian who his English wasn't very, very good and he wanted to be able to minister in Spanish. And so we gathered uh, the other Colombian and Mexican and Latino musicians and he's got 70 or 80 musicians coming together uh, over the weekend. But had no training whatsoever so we're starting to walk through through that so right now it's on our radar it's a commitment in our budget it's a commitment in our time but we're looking over the next year or two to kind of formulate a more formal training process in the church so do you budget for and pray for and plan for looking for the Dave Furman of Farsi speaking yes. and, and that you hope to bring on to your staff yeah, yeah, as yeah. an intern or a pastoral assistant or something absolutely okay amen well, brothers, as, 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 as we wind up here in, in the last few minutes, as you look back over the last decade, what would you say are, are some of the, the, the encouragements or lessons learned that you would want to share with the pastors and the church leaders here? Uh, kind of things you'd wish you had been told along the way or, or, or things that they can take away from this interview as they think about church planning in their own context, whether they're in Europe or Iowa. Uh, what, what are some of the, the key lessons um, just to summarize what we've talked about as as we finish for implementing successful church plants, I got a couple. I can uh, a couple things that we haven't talked about. One thing I would tell new church planters is don't do too many things too soon in your church plant. It's a temptation for us to want to start a variety of different ministries and feel like we need to cater uh, to every different person in our church. Uh, but I would encourage new uh, church planters to really emphasize a couple of things. One, the, the good preaching of God's word. So don't, you get so easily uh, uh, you know, distracted with administration and, and other things that can, so, that can kind of creep into your sermon prep time and the teaching of God's word. So we found that at Redeemer, just a faithful preaching of God's word, forming church membership, and really focus on those two things and not getting so uh, entangled in starting a youth ministry right now or or starting this women's ministry or elderly ministry or whatever it could be. And we got we had that temptation at Redeemer, very beginning, first month. Everybody wants these different ministries started, so we felt the pressure. And we, you know, struggled with that some. Um, but you know, we kept coming back to people and saying we're gonna build the church on God's word and then move forward. So I would encourage young church planters to not try to do too many things uh, too uh, soon, uh, but to just faithfully preach God's word, faithfully teach uh, the gospel. Amen. I, I would I would want to add to that in, for churches who have a heart for church planting, you must have the right guy. You know, it's got to be someone who 
is driven by the call of Christ, uh, someone who um, has both uh, skills pastoring and speaking and administration. So there's kind of a there's a number of things that need to go together. I, I recognize people. Not everyone has all the gifts that you need, mm-hmm. uh, but then they need to be willing to bring a team of people that will make sure to help them with those things. But uh, but particularly I. I I think Dave came with enthusiasm and joy and a real sense uh, that if if we band together, we're going to be a band of brothers. That that God is going to use us in powerful and dynamic ways. We don't know what that looks like. We're in a situation that is dangerous, you know, in some ways. We don't know. We could be shut down tomorrow. You know, there's no... We don't have any uh, rights we're being allowed to do this. But that sense that we're laying down our lives for the gospel of Christ, that, that, that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, we can in no way bear fruit. Mm. So that, that deep-centered centered gospel call to die to self and live for Christ is what I want young church planting pastors to know. Yeah, and for them to, to get the proper training. So, you know... My preparation, I, I owe to so many different people, not only seminary, uh, but then also I spent a year doing a church planting residency at a, in Little Rock, Arkansas, in a place called Fellowship Associates, which was wonderful, and then all my time at CSBC, and then my time at UCCD for that year and a half. So I would encourage young church planters to get trained, to be a part of healthy local churches uh, before you go. So my time at UCCD was, was incredible in, rather, in, in preparing me for, for the final step of actually planting. Mac, for church leaders and pastors who want a church plant but don't have an elder board that's that's like-minded what uh what how would you encourage them to proactively lead and disciple their elder board and then generally for both of you all what resources books um publications have you found to be most ministries have been most helpful for you all to shape your thinking of church planning that we can refer these uh these men and women to who are listening as they think about church planning uh today well I, I, I think I'd say be patient mm-hmm. you've got to be patient mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't just hear an interview and then expect it to be implemented in a month take years take years to develop and disciple your, your leadership get elders on board who understand that what healthy church does by forming healthy church mm-hmm. is, is form biblical church that's what we're talking about and you can't really be a biblical church mm-hmm without seeing the need for planting a church. If you understand what the church is for, you understand why God forms the church, you understand the mission of the church, then you're going to want to plant churches. So developing biblical, healthy uh, uh, churches is the best way to plant a church. With patience and love and patience, prayer. Patience, love, and prayer. Yeah. Stay, yeah. Uh, stay there. Any stay practical resources then? Websites, ministries, books that you that you all found useful? Well, we're gonna we're gonna write one. Amen. <laughs> we're gonna write one <laughs> because we uh, and we're gonna we're gonna try and avoid just methodology. We we you know so often what we hear is the method of of church planning as if it's a cookbook that you just put these pieces together and you cook it in a you know that's not really what it's about. It's it's much more spiritual than that. It's 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 much more about. Um, critical components within us rather than the actual things that we do outside of us. Mm-hmm. Now that's important and Dave did a great job on that I should say. Dave is, is a master administrator. I think two books that I would personally recommend. One would be the Church Planting Manual from Redeemer Presbyterian Church that Tim Keller 
has written some helpful things in terms of thinking about how to apply the gospel to different uh, contexts and how to reach uh, cities for Christ. That's helpful. And then, and then Mike McKinley's book, Church Planting, mm-hmm. is for wimps. Uh, you know, obviously the book is somewhat about church revitalization and church planting, but very helpful there to think through the, the pastor himself. So I love just some practical things on there. One of my favorite chapters in that book is just on the, the pastor's spiritual life, making sure that the pastor is walking with the Lord. So the pastor's not walking with the Lord and growing in holiness. He has nothing to give to his people. So I would recommend both those books for anybody thinking about church planting or church reform. Another good organization that I found helpful is, is Nat's Institute for Church Planting with West Pastor. I think their institute in, captures a lot of these elements of training and recruiting and uh, you know, glorious, joyful, sacrificial leadership in sending in the church. You can check out their website for more resources as well. You can look at Sovereign Grace Ministries has done some good yeah. things. And then where I did my early training at Fellowship Associates in Little Rock also has a yeah. church planting program. That's helpful. Last question. You chose the name Redeemer Church of Dubai. Why Redeemer? Yeah, well, a couple of reasons. One, we wanted the focus of our church to be Jesus Christ. He builds his church. He grows his church. He's the focus of our church. He has redeemed us by the blood uh, of the Lamb. And so we wanted that to be the focus. And we wanted to make sure that as we talk about our church and invite other people in Dubai, that it's an easy jump to the gospel. So Redeemer Church of Dubai, what's that? Well, let me let me tell you about the one who has redeemed uh, us. So it's a, it's a nice launching pad directly to the gospel. I don't know if you have anything to add. No, well said, Dave. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this time. The Lord bless your work. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having us. It's been an yeah. honor to be with you. Now, Marks has been a huge impact on my life and has really formulated my thinking on the church. So it's an honor to sit with you men uh, this afternoon. Well, we're thankful for the way that y'all have faithfully stewarded and served the church in Dubai. It's a joy to call y'all co-partners in the gospel. We thank God for you thank all. Thank you. Thank you, friends, for listening. Have a blessed day. Thank you, friends, for listening to this Nine Marks audio message. We encourage you to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more audio messages and other free resources, we invite you to visit us online at www.ninemarks.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-543-1030. Nine Marks exists to equip church leaders with a biblical vision and practical resources for displaying God's glory to the nations through healthy churches.